Genesis one last time as we uh, wrap up this series uh, tonight. Genesis chapter number 49 is where we'll start. Genesis chapter 49, and if you would uh, join me if you're able to. I'm standing for the reading of God's Word tonight. Genesis 49, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 28. And uh, we'll read down through the rest of the chapter here, and then throughout the message tonight we'll cover chapter 50 as well. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 28 says, And all these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is it that their father spake unto them, and blessed them, every one according to his blessing he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people, Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the, Hitt the Hittite, and in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife, and there I buried Leah. The purchase of the field and the cave that is therein was from the children of Heth. And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. Father, as we come to you tonight, uh, as your people, uh, looking to hear from you, I pray, Lord, you'd use your word tonight to encourage us, to challenge us, to change us. Lord, I pray that all of us would have an open heart to what you'd have for us tonight. And I pray, Lord, you'd do a good and great work in each of our lives. Help us, Lord, to be obedient. Help us to be good hearers, but more than that, help us to be good doers of what we hear. And we pray these things in Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. <clears throat> so we began this series, The Romans 828 Man, through the life of Joseph way back on April 5th. Uh, that's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, here we are almost at the end of the year, and uh, that was toward the beginning of the year. And uh, I remember very well preaching that night to the cameras in the auditorium early on in our shutdown due to COVID-19. The first message in that series was titled, Blessings in Disguise, and uh, we took uh, that first message and dissected the Romans 828 verse. And in that message, we looked at the confidence that we can have. If you recall, uh, Romans 8.28 starts with, And we know, and uh, we learned that we can indeed have confidence that God is going to work all things together for good. And uh, even what we're going through tonight as a country, can God work all of this together for good? You bet He can. Um, God's not shaken by this. This promise isn't, uh, goes out, doesn't go out the window if, if uh, you know, the election gets all weirded out. No, uh, God's word stays the same and we can have the confidence and we know that all things to get, work together. So we looked at the confidence and then we looked at the circumstances uh, where the verse says, and we know all things work together. So uh, all the things, the good things, the not so good things, and everything in between, God is able to use it all to orchestrate his plan, and, uh, he, and he is able to work it all out for good. And uh, we also looked at the uh, cooperation 
the fact is, we know all things work together for good. All things work together. They cooperate. And, and as I look at my life, look back at how God orchestrated different things in my life, even to bring us here, is all attributed to God's sovereignty and God's plan. And he was able to work all those things together for his purpose. And then we looked at the condition of that verse, because usually most people think about the first three and they, they stop there. Uh, we, we looked at the condition. The condition was, uh, we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. The condition is, uh, we need to love the Lord and be obedient to God by obeying his commandments and the ones who are called according to his purpose. So this, this promise that all things work together for good isn't really a promise just to any average Joe. It's only to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. And so just want to remind us about that tonight as we uh, finish this series. Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. And, and uh, we've seen this truth of Romans 8.28 played out in an incredible way in the life of Joseph as we've made our way through his life. Now, I never imagined how much I would personally need this series as we worked our way through this unbelievably different year called 2020. Uh, no one else in this church may have gotten anything out of this series, but I'll guarantee you this guy right here did. As I've studied and as I've prepared, as I've learned and grown and uh, understood the life of Joseph like never before, uh, I have really developed an appreciation for who Joseph was and God's plan and purpose being carried out in someone's life who has faith in the Lord. I've been impressed with the faith and faithfulness of Joseph over and over again as we've worked our way through the timeline of his life. And uh, I, I know I've done this a few times throughout this series just to bring us back up to speed, but... I can't get to the end of it and not do a quick little summary of the life of Joseph, especially as we end it tonight. In this series, we've seen Joseph as a, uh, we started by seeing him as a 17-year-old young man who at that time was a favored son, and he was a faithful son who received dreams from the Lord regarding the future. And uh, he had faith that those dreams would come to pass. And uh, we all know that they did indeed come to pass. After sharing these dreams with his family, his brothers didn't take it super well. In fact, they got so jealous and angry at their youngest brother that uh, they decided to kill Joseph, but at the last minute decided to call an audible and sold him into slavery instead to uh, pad their wallets a little bit. Well, Joseph finally ends up working for a very powerful man by the name of Potiphar. He did so well in this role that uh, he was basically in charge of the entire house and Potiphar really uh, didn't really know what was going on. He just totally trusted Joseph to do the work that he was called to do. Well, he uh, also was targeted during that time by Potiphar's wife, which Joseph overcame that temptation, praise the Lord. And remember, we learned that, yes, he lost his coat because, remember, he left his coat and ran out of there. But he, while he lost his coat, he kept his character, kept his purity. But as a result of that, Joseph was then cast into prison and falsely accused and lied about. And so he was put into prison. Well, while in prison, he met a couple men who had dreams of themselves, both of which Joseph 
interpreted gladly, and both of them ended up coming true. Now, one was supposed to put in a good word for Joseph once he got released, but, you know, uh, life got busy, and it just slipped his mind, and after two years, uh, Joseph was still there in prison. Uh, Finally, Pharaoh had two disturbing dreams, and when no one in his court could help, the butler The light bulb went off and went, oops, I forgot. Uh, Yeah, there's a guy in prison. I was supposed to put in a good word for him, but uh, he's able to interpret dreams. So they brought Joseph out and uh, he comes before Pharaoh and uh, Joseph accurately interprets those dreams. Um, The meaning of Pharaoh's dreams consisted of seven years of plenty and seven years of great famine. So during those seven years of plenty, Joseph oversaw stocking up and storing grain and corn so there would be food enough during the famine. Well, during the famine, it got so bad that it was felt all over. Even Joseph's family way back in Canaan needed food. So uh, Jacob sent Joseph's brothers to Egypt to buy food. Once they arrived, Joseph immediately recognizes them and puts them through a series of tests before finally revealing who he was to them. He then brings his family down to Egypt to nourish and to take care of them. And after 17 years in Egypt, Jacob, a dad, calls for his favored son Joseph and proceeds to bless his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And that's found in uh, chapter number 48. Well, then after chapter 48, we come to 49 and Jacob calls uh, his the rest of the boys, the rest of the sons together and Uh, issues some uh, prophecy and issues some judgment as well as blessing uh, for uh, the future. So that brings us to where we are tonight. And uh, we're going to look first of all tonight at Jacob's funeral. Jacob's funeral. If I can speak over the train whistle. (laughs) Good luck. And uh, we see here at the end of this chapter in chapter 49, uh, verse 33, Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons. He gathered up his feet into the bed, yielded up the ghosts, and was gathered unto his people. Chapter 50, verses 1 through 14, detail this funeral, and it's detailed, uh, this is the most detailed funeral in all the Bible. Uh, Certainly, I think of when Jesus was buried and some of the details given there, but, uh, but, but no amount of scripture like what is dedicated here uh, is repeated in the Bible. This is pretty remarkable uh, what happened. And I just want to take, I, I'm not going to make a ton of comments during this point. I just want to let the Bible do the preaching. Uh, verse number one of chapter 50, here's what happened as soon as uh, Jacob had died. Uh, verse number one, Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. Now, there was a special relationship between Joseph and his dad. Really, at the beginning, as time, uh, there's no question that uh, Joseph was Jacob's favorite son. Uh, there was an, indeed a special relationship between the father and son there. And uh, when, when dad finally passed away and breathed his last breath, uh, there, was a, there was an emotional response. There had been other emotional responses in their history as well. Uh, when uh, Jacob came to see his son after all those years of being away from him, there was a tremendous emotional embrace that they took, that, that they participated in. And here again, after Jacob 
uh, passes away. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I've been a little on the melancholy side a little bit. Uh, we had a good friend in California who was part of the church that we served at for 15 plus years who passed away uh, a week ago today and their funeral was his funeral was yesterday and uh, we saw some of the video of the funeral uh, yesterday and heard some of the songs that were sung and uh, I know brother Blake was mentioning to me on Friday one of his well his uh, previous boss in Michigan had passed away uh, I believe last week as well and the funeral was on Friday and then even just today, hearing about Alex Trebek, and uh, I, I know that, you know, I didn't know him at all, but, uh, you know, you, if you've watched Jeopardy a little bit, you kind of feel like you did, don't you? And, uh, you know, when, when people die, it, 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 it hits you. And uh, Joseph, uh, here as his dad passes away, it, it hit him in a, in a pretty special way. It, he fell on his father's face, wept upon him, and kissed him. And so verse number two, Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. Now, burying the dead was big business in Egypt. Uh, elaborate and expensive coffins were purchased, and the embalming process then took about two months to complete. And I actually read a little commentary on what the process of embalming was, and I was like, oh, that's TMI. I didn't need to know all of that. Um, Wow, uh, I would have been okay if I didn't understand what they did back in those days. But uh, if you want to do some study on your own, all the teenagers are like, yeah, I'm going to study that out. Um, it is a, an interesting process on what they did. Um, but uh, what they would do is they would get some big tombs and make them very ornate and go to great lengths to make them really special to honor their loved ones. Um, and I know that, uh, you know, for those who've gone through the process of burying a loved one and, and going to the mortuary and, and uh, picking out a casket for your loved one, you know, there's all different types that you can get, aren't there? And uh, I remember when my mom passed away, we were uh, trying to do something nice but not uber expensive and uh, trying to find the balance on, you know, honoring your loved one. But, I mean, it's going to be in the ground. You're going to see it for a little bit, and then it's going to be in the ground for the rest of eternity. I'm not going to dig it up back up again. I don't want to see it again. So it's just trying to think through that. Well, in Egypt, they, they went to great lengths to make it super ornate. And, you know, the more powerful and the more uh, popular they would, they would make it show in the, in, in the ornateness of those caskets and coffins. And so that's what, that's what uh, verse 2 talks about. They, they embalmed him, and we're kind of getting all that ready. Well, notice verse number 3, and, for, and 40 days were fulfilled for him, for so were fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed, and the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. Now, if, if someone died, okay, let's just take Alex Trebek for, for an example. Let's say that uh, President Trump decided that he wants to honor. Now, of course, he's a Canadian, so it's a little different here. But let's say that um, you know he said we're gonna we're gonna have a 40-day mourning period for Alex Trebek. That would be unheard of. That would be amazing. Well, that's exactly what happened for Jacob. Uh, he was not an Egyptian. He came and lived there for 17 years, and, 
And, and yet, because of the impact that Joseph had and the influence that Joseph had there, his dad was caught, the death of his dad caused the entire nation to uh, not shut down, but be in a state of mourning for 40 days. Pretty remarkable that the whole nation would uh, understand this. And, and uh, the word got passed and the word went out. And of course, they didn't have uh, media, social media and TV and radio and the internet and all that that we have today. And so they were still able to get the word out. And for 40 days, they mourned for Jacob. Verse 4, when the days of his mourning were passed, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Lo, I die in my grave, which I have digged for me in the land of Canaan, therefore shalt thou bury me. Now therefore, and now here Joseph is talking, Now therefore let me go up, I pray thee, and bury my father, and I will come again. It is interesting to me that he doesn't go directly to Pharaoh at this point. He actually goes to those in the house of Pharaoh, his servants, um, and there's a number of reasons that uh, were given through commentaries. Uh, basically, he just knew that uh, sometimes when you approach a, a king, sometimes they're having a bad day and they don't always react the right way. And so the servants kind of know how to read their boss, you know, a little bit and know when uh, the right time to bring things up. And so he brought it up with those guys and, and uh, trusted them to bring it up at the right time in the right way. And uh, certainly when he did, uh, verse 6, Pharaoh said, Go up and bury thy father according as he made thee swear. And uh, it, one, one, one point I want to bring out here is, remember early on when uh, Jacob asked, this is back in uh, chapter 47, at the end of chapter 47, uh, he asked, uh, Jacob did, to Joseph, Hey, will you please carry me back up to Canaan when I die? And uh, verse 31 of chapter 47 uh, he said, Swear unto me, and he swear unto him. And so here now, Joseph is fulfilling uh, his promise that he made to his dad. He was a man of his word, and that's an encouragement for us uh, tonight to be faithful to the promises that we make. The Bible says, Let our yea be yea, and our nay, nay. Uh, this is just encouragement for us to, when we make a promise, to follow through with it like Joseph did here. And so he says, uh, verse number 6, Pharaoh gave him a leave. Now, now notice here, verses 7 through 14, here's the procession that goes back up into Egypt for the actual burial. And, and, and notice the amount of people that end up going uh, to do this. Verse number 7, Joseph went up to bury his father. And a lot of times we might think, oh, well, yeah, it was Joseph and his brethren. Oh, it was a whole bunch more people than that. Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh. Not just some of the servants, but all the servants of Pharaoh. And uh, he was the king, and he had probably lots and lots of, of servants. I don't know how many he had, but the Bible says all the servants of Pharaoh went with. And it says here, the elders of his house. And then, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And then verse 8, in all the house of Joseph and his brethren and his father's house, but only their little ones and their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. So I, I think it's at least hundreds of people that make this trek from Egypt to Canaan. I think perhaps even thousands 
of people that make this trek up to Canaan. Pretty amazing. Just to bury somebody. But uh, here's, and verse number 9 continues on. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. And it was a, the Bible says, very great company. And uh, I think that Pharaoh decided, hey, you need, to, you need some chariots and some horsemen with some weaponry just for protection as uh, you make your trek up there just to make sure everybody's safe. And uh, if anybody decides to attack you, there's people there that, to help you out along the way. In verse number 10, they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan. And there, there they mourned with a great and very sore lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. So this is after the 40 days that the whole country mourned that they make this trip up. Once they get to Atad, they stop for a week uh, for a special uh, time of mourning. And the Bible says they mourn with a great and very sore lamentation. It was, it was a very visual display of, of heartbreak and, uh, and sadness that they displayed there in verse number 10. And so much so in verse number 11, when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning in the floor of Atad, they said, this is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Wherefore, the name of it was called Abel Miserium, which is beyond Jordan. And uh, they were probably pretty confused, like, why are, they, why are they so far away from Egypt and yet having this very elaborate uh, ceremony? All right, verse 12, And his sons did unto him according as he commanded. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Amaphelah, which Abraham bought with a field for a possession of a burying place of Ephraim the Hittite before Mamre. So after... They have this seven-day ceremony and a great day, a great time of mourning. After that week is over, uh, the brothers go and uh, deliver the body of Jacob to this cave. And uh, there they buried him there. Well, after that, verse number 14, Joseph returned into Egypt, he and his brethren, and all that went up with him to bury his father after he had buried his father. So that's Jacob's funeral. And and uh, the Bible gives us quite a bit of detail about what happened there. And, and it is interesting. You can do a little study on the, the, uh, the path that they took and why they took that particular path and why they stopped at Atad. We don't have time tonight to get into all of that, but uh, that's an interesting study that I would encourage you to dive into yourself a little later. So we see, first of all, tonight, uh, Jacob's funeral. But then notice number two, Joseph's forgiveness. Joseph's forgiveness. Look in verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, My father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren. And their sin, for they did evil unto the evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you thought evil against me, but... God meant it unto good 
to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. A couple thoughts about forgiveness tonight. Uh, just a reminder, I mean, what Joseph was dealt, uh, his brothers were about to kill him. And instead, they decided to sell him into slavery and, and uh, to make his life miserable just so that they can get rid of him. They were sick and tired of him being in the family. And they thought they would get rid of him once and for all. And so let's just sell him to some uh, person that wants a slave. And never one time thinking that they would ever have to bow down before him. And uh, the, the idea here is, look, there's going to be times that you and I are going to get hurt in this life. And, and I'm sure I'm talking to some who have been hurt tremendously in this life. But when it comes to forgiveness as God's people, we need to be like Joseph and offer forgiveness to those who hurt us.